Hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Uncovering Libraries. Today I'm going to be talking about a topic that is near and dear to my heart. I wanted to explore teens, I wanted to explore young adult books, and I wanted to explore teen library services, or more specifically, book recommendations and how they've evolved over the years, especially with the rise of published young adult novels that have been releasing in the last decade and a half. I wanted to look into this because it feels like that all of my life the reading world has looked down on adults reading young adult books when they should be graduating to more sophisticated literature that is of a more complex reading level than mind-numbing YA. From that description alone, it's clear that I have a bone to pick with this perspective of reading because I am an adult who still enjoys reading YA more than any other type of book. Thus, I'll warn that this episode is not going to be as objective as some people may hope, but instead I plan to share my observations from the research that I've done and maybe try to get others to understand where I'm coming from. I also wanted to spend some time talking about this new wave of books that are starting to be released following the YA boom in publishing, the rise of new adult books. Don't know what that even is? Well, stick around and find out. Before we delve into the thick of it, I want to start with some definitions of demographic groups. Youth, teenager, adolescent, young adult. These are words that we can throw around casually, and other people will generally understand what we mean, but as we'll soon see, it's really hard to double down on a single definition of these terms. If you read any teen services advice book, you'll notice that all of them start with the definition of what is considered a teen or what is considered a young adult. Then they'll immediately tell you that it's hard to define because it depends on the perspective that you're coming from. If you're like me, if you hear the phrase young adult, you'll often think of someone in their late teens and early 20s, either in post-secondary school or just starting their life after high school. This is if we're looking at the non-book, non-publishing context. But according to the Young Adult Library Services Association, which I'm going to refer to as YALSA from now on, the definition of young adult refers to 12 to 18 year olds. But if we look back in history, we have to first understand that adolescence is a relatively new concept. Before the early 20th century, there were children, and then there were adults. Children simply transitioned into young adults in a time that we would consider them to be teens. It was only after the 1950s that we kept children in schools for longer, meaning that adolescents were hanging out with each other more than ever before, creating new cultures and trends and social expectations. Educators and psychologists were starting to realize how distinct and essential this period of development was, so instead of dismissing it, they tried to enrich it. Going back to that YALSA definition, 12 to 18 covers a large portion of change in a young person's life. In a 1998 advice book, Melanie Rapp divides adolescence into three main phases. Early adolescence, which covers the ages of 12 to 14, middle adolescence, which covers the ages of 14 to 17, and late adolescence, which covers the ages between 17 and 19. Each of these periods are marked by different social, psychological, and physiological changes. These distinctions have held loosely over the years, we just give them different names now. According to Lantham and Gross, tweens are between the ages of 9 and 12, young adults in the publishing and library sense are 12 to 18, and older young adults, aka emerging adults, are 18 to 24, which spans farther than Rapp's definition. Shelia B. Anderson, who has written numerous books on how to provide services for different distinctions of the teen population, states that of course we can have a technical definition of what a teen is, but they can be as young as 10 or they can be a teen for their whole life if they never grow out of that mindset. The main consensus in all of these resources is that the definition of young adults is a slippery term, and I think that describes it well. Despite the fact that Margaret A. Edwards was writing in the 1960s and 70s, I think she says it best in this passage. Who are young adults? They're people in their teens for whom there's no adequate nomenclature. For years, librarians have searched for a term that would best describe them. Adolescence is too biological and should be reserved for occasions when adults speak to adults on a professional level. 
teenagers, besides being a bit undignified, may sound patronizing or scornful and does not seem to include the more mature 16 to 19 year olds. Young people has been used in many libraries, as well as youth, but in the minds of the public, both terms often mean children rather than people of high school age, and so calls for endless clarification. As a result, the Young Adult Services of the American Library Association has officially adopted the term young adults to define its clientele. I now want to briefly delve into the history of young adult books and young adult library services in North America. Keep in mind that a lot of this is going to be from the perspective of American organizations since I couldn't find a lot of information on recent Canadian young adult library service activity. Just like the concept of adolescence is somewhat of a recent development, so are young adult books. We've established that young adults used to literally be considered younger versions of adults, and once they grew past the age when they were considered children, they went on to read books meant for a general audience. Some examples include Jonathan Swift's Gulliver's Travels, Louisa May Alcott's Little Women, Jules Verne's 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and so on. Then, in the early 20th century, mystery novels became quite popular, 30s and 40s introduced comic books and superheroes, and more books with teen appeal were published like J.D. Salinger's The Catcher in the Rye. It's debated as to whether the first young adult novel should be considered Maureen Daly's 17th Summer or S.E. Hinton's The Outsiders. Regardless, The Outsider is decided to be the first problem novel. They're called this because they tend to focus on one or a few social issues, aka the problems. These books became very controversial, not only because they discussed issues adults viewed as inappropriate for such a young audience, but because they were considered badly written since they favored melodrama over writing well-developed characters and plots. Time passes and we see romance and horror novels rise in popularity, as well as the introduction of diverse writers from different races and sexualities. More graphic novels were published, the internet came around, but there was actually a drop in young adult publications in the 90s due to budget cuts. During this time, publishers and subsequently libraries focused on content for tweens. Coming into the 21st century, we see the explosion of success with Harry Potter, Twilight, and The Hunger Games, all of which are cited to be the instigator for this new wave of young adult books that takes us to today. In regard to library services for young adults, they traditionally follow the trends of young adult collections. The American Library Association established the Young Adult Services Division, the precursor to YALSA, in 1957, after separating them from children's services. Their responsibility was to turn out book recommendations, guidelines for librarians, displays, exhibits, sponsored conference programs and workshops, and worked with other divisions. Young adult resources to help librarians also began to emerge around that time too. E. Leyland's Public Library and the Adolescent, released in 1937, was considered the first published resource, but Margaret A. Edwards' book The Fair Garden and the Swarm of Beasts, released in 1969, was considered the most influential of its time. While reading the revised and expanded edition of Edwards' book, she wrote a lot about how her colleagues flocked to her constantly because they didn't know how to approach or talk with these mysterious teenagers, which is what led her to write the book in the first place. But even now I can see similar attitudes being reflected in books written in the early 2000s. Just like how it's slightly offensive that teenagers are referred to as the beasts in the fair garden by Edwards, it's almost comical when I read a chapter subheading that starts with, who are these strange creatures, from a book that was published in 2008. It seems as though even though we understand how a teen's brain develops better than ever before, there's still that sense of mystery and confusion. I mean, I totally get it. I find it difficult to relate to teens now, even though I'm only in my mid-twenties. It wasn't too long ago that I was one of them. Well, now that we're caught up to the near past, I want to go back to that idea that young adult novels are controversial because they're written badly. And not only that, I want to explore the sentiments some people share who think that you should stop reading young adult books once you yourself become an adult. In online book communities that I've been in, it's one of those opinions that can instantly divide the reading community. 
Of course, the more popular bookish creators are ones that do enjoy reading YA books, thus their voices are much louder within the community. But what it really comes down to is perspective and what kind of reader you are. When I learned about Catherine Ross's work on the myth of equivalency of reading experiences, it was partially a duh moment, but also the moment that the light bulb flicked on in my brain. The basis of her revelation is, just because you might like something doesn't mean that others will too. It seems so simple, and yet we're all prone to forgetting it because, as Ross says, because we can't know from observation what readers are actually experiencing and thinking as they read, we're apt to generalize from our own experience. She goes on to reveal that her and her students discovered that there are two general categories of avid readers, selective readers who only try to read important books and omnivores who read indiscriminately. They have different understandings of what materials to read and how to read them. Selective readers are more likely to describe those who turn their nose up against YA books and the adults who choose to read them past their recommended age range. These are people who might never read unimportant books. They read to gain knowledge and gain insight on what literature has to offer. Some enjoy reading out of their comfort zone to challenge themselves, and they have to be selective in order to distinguish what to read amongst the wave of books constantly being published. Some have difficulty not finishing books because they need to finish what they started, and they only read the best. I would say that people who read YA are more likely to be indiscriminate readers, those who are less concerned with what they should read and more concerned with whether they enjoy it. They don't feel guilty about putting books down, but they're willing to at least try almost anything. They may be voracious readers who describe the things they read as trash, but are unapologetic about it. What's so interesting is that they both function on the idea that life's too short, but they approach it in different ways. And of course, there's always the possibility of intermixing values. These aren't clean and cut distinctions, but rather general patterns we can use to explain the mindset behind those that love and those that hate YA books. If you view reading as though you're constantly climbing some kind of scaffold or ladder, of course you'd be confused by someone who chooses to stagnate on one kind of book. On the flip side, if you're an indiscriminate reader, of course you'd be confused by someone who seems extremely picky and looks down on the kinds of books that you read. It all depends on perspective and understanding that other people are not like you. But again, this is easier said than done. That being said, who was YA fiction really for? I've always found it intriguing whenever anyone calls YA a genre. Genres are categories like romance, horror, sci-fi fantasy. There can be young adult romance, young adult horror, young adult sci-fi fantasy, etc, etc. Thus, I generally say that it's recommended for readers who are around the age of the protagonist, older or younger. In general, fiction novels can actually help young adults process their developmental needs and aid in their identity formation. As Paulette Rothbauer says, reading stories helps young adults to both imagine new kinds of possibilities and to establish recognized boundaries for identity. The nature of this kind of reading affords a certain pleasure in finding oneself in the text while also functioning as a way to gather and organize information about the larger world and one's place in it. I think this kind of reading is valuable no matter what stage of life you're in, which is why I'm personally drawn to fiction so much. It allows me to imagine what I would do in the scenarios presented while also getting to explore how other people might react, all from the comfort of my own room. This is why I think people are drawn to YA fiction and genre reading in general. It's also just the trend that continues to develop as our culture evolves. I briefly mentioned it before, but in the 90s and early 2000s, middle grade novels like Harry Potter and Percy Jackson started being published to cater towards tweens. So this type of book almost acts as bridging content between children's novels and young adult novels. Or young adult novels can be seen as an extension of middle grade novels. And now that readers of young adult novels are growing up, they are craving the same content, but preferably with protagonists closer to their age. Enter the new adult demographic. 
New Adult is a publishing term coined in 2009 by St. Martin's Press to describe types of submissions that are similar to YA but can be published and marketed as adult content, a sort of older YA or new adult. But who really are these new adults? According to Michael Cart, mainstream media calls them adult essence, kidults, twixters, or boomer rangers. I have never heard of these words in my entire life. But whatever you call them, they're a new generation that's redefining the traditional meaning of young adult, in a non-book sense. He goes on to explain that because of our current economy and a shortage of jobs, and also the fact that our lifespan is increasing, young people aren't feeling as pressed to take on the burden of adulthood. It's the Peter Pan syndrome, where you just refuse to grow up. So once upon a time, adolescence was the life stage of interest. Now it's the time period Dr. Jeffrey Jensen Arnett calls emerging adulthood that's all the rage. This covers the age group of 18 to 35-year-olds, but there's a particular interest in 18 to 25-year-olds. In Dr. Arnett's book, he states that what is happening now is analogous to what happened a century ago when social and economic changes helped create adolescence. Which, it makes sense to start dividing up adult as a life stage like we did for tweens, teens, and older young adults. Adulthood technically spans from like 18 to 65, 70, depending on the general age of retirement. That's 40 years of someone's life. Of course, there are general distinctions we use, like someone's 20s, someone's 30s, being middle-aged, but that is a contentious definition in and of itself. But in general, the category of adult spans so long, it seems even more impossible to reduce the needs of this group to a few services and collections in comparison to teenagers. So what does this mean for libraries? Maybe we'll need a few new adult or emerging adult service librarians who are responsible for creating book lists, programs, and services for this demographic. However, this is where the challenge begins. Unlike in high school, there are so many paths that we can take beyond the age of 17 or 18. Some of us go to university, others go straight to work, others get married and have children, and so on. It becomes harder to develop collections because people will be drawn to different types of stories and experiences the characters go through. The publishing of new adult books can help ease this process because at least librarians know who the intended demographic is for. And it's not like new adults or even teenagers can't read adult books. I'm not talking about spicy books, but literally just books that are meant for adults. But this makes it easier to sift through new adult books to get some semblance of a new adult collection started. And to think more on the role of a new adult librarian, Rap brings up the point that around the time of emerging adulthood, no matter if you're 18 or you're 25 or 35, you're most likely to move out at some point and you'll need apartment and legal advice, roommate advice, information on nutrition, budgeting, laundry, chores, etc which are skills that are being phased out of schools now. At least I definitely didn't have anything like that in my high school. They had them at my university, which I was grateful for, but what happens if you don't go to university? Are libraries expected to create programs that teach these skills? There's also the question of whether emerging adults even visit the public library. I don't have any answers here, just questions that we can maybe consider in future episodes. The main things I hope you took away from this episode is that definitions are loose and constantly changing, there are many factors that can affect the evolution of books and library services, and maybe it's time to examine a new demographic to cater to in libraries. That's all I have for you guys today. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this episode. All of my resources and the show notes will be available on my website, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye!